Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's been three or four weeks off the airwaves. Now we're back. And also back are Scott's Menswear. Thanks, guys, for rejoining us again for another run, sponsoring the podcast. Love what you do, guys. Thank you. And thank you for everybody for joining us again. How are you doing? You're right. Yeah, it's been three or four weeks since we last had a little podcast for you. Hope you had a nice break. Hope you're uh, doing all good. Weather's picked up a little bit. Then it got cold. Stop watching the news, it's annoying. We've been really busy booking loads of interesting guests for you. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Kieran from October Drift. Really interesting guy. Had a right good chat with him. That interview is coming up soon on the podcast. But one of these subjects that crop up now and again, and you know, it all goes viral, uh, starts making you think about things. The Will Smith and Chris Rock thing. You know, I keep seeing all these people talking about, you know, is it okay to make jokes anymore? Oh, it's so annoying. We, we do have a lot of comedians on this podcast and we do talk about cancel culture and that kind of stuff quite a bit. And, you know, we've got to support comedians. You, you will see, I've been watching a lot of American stand-up and uh, people commenting on the situation that happened at the, you know, the Oscars. I know it's a bit old news now, but it's kind of relevant because we do cover a lot of comedians and the subject comes up a lot. Yes, it's fine to... Make a joke about whatever subject you feel is right. We've got to support comedians with this. End of day, Will Smith was definitely in the wrong, 100%. It was a joke. He probably didn't write it himself. Not that that's an excuse anyway. But it's not the responsibility for any comedian that I think to know or even recognise that, you know, anybody in the crowd might be suffering from some kind of illness or, you know, uh, a medical issue. It's just not the responsibility of a comedian to to have to even worry or concern, be concerned about that. You're there for a night of comedy. What the worst thing that I've been look, thinking about is that it, it does set a bit of a precedent and you can't slap somebody and then pick up an award for it. I think that was totally just shit. Should have been chucked out. If anybody would have done that, they'd have been right on the roll, straight out the door. And, you know, it sets a bit of a precedent. You know, you can't have people at comedy clubs thinking it's all right to get up and slap a comedian. It's just not right. I'm sure you've seen it all over the news. 
Um, but I just wanted to, you know, give a big shout out to the comedians out there. Keep doing all the hard work that you're doing. Keep challenging back and fighting back against all this bollocks that's going on around not being able to, um, you know, say what you feel and, you know, analyse and deconstruct all the shit that goes on in the world. Keep doing all the good works, comedians. I, I applaud you. Thank you. So, yeah, a bit of a rant there, but I just wanted to, you know, give my thoughts on it all and support the comedians out there. The canaries down the mine always trying to work out what's right or wrong and love it. Yeah, I'm fresh off a RGM live gig last night down at the castle, Manchester. Had faux pas headlining. Harriet Rose. Our Harriet Rose, I like to say. Known her years. Love that girl. And Trent Deval, who opened up for us. Unfortunately, the last clouds started to pull out quite late on due to COVID and things, but I hope that those guys are getting better. Uh, and yeah, I had a lovely night down in Manchester for our gym live. We just announced, you know, more shows on the site too. So come and join us for some live music if, you, if you're out and about. I had a gig the week before in Sheffield as well. Pagans on there. Damien Luke and the Sweet Beasts. Battery Farm. Bloom. You know, got loads of gigs going on at the minute. It's lovely. And of course... Over 35 posts this week on the socials, just with new music, new features, new interviews, new everything, new diaries, tour diaries, actually. Have you seen the tour diaries with October Drift yet? Hop onto our jam and have a look. Within the tour diaries is a download link for the new October Drift album. We talk about that in the chat. There's an album coming up from Lads. Why am I talking like this? Yeah, I, I, I always end up catching up with Kieran. And I learnt a lot about him and, you know, what drives the band and what's going on behind the scenes and how do you prepare for a tour, how do you, uh, you know, how do you keep going? And, you know, they, those guys have been going on a long time and, you know, it, gradual progress over, you know, over a long period of time is hard work. I applaud those guys for the whole hard work that they do. Fascinating chat with Kieran. We're back on the podcast, ranting as always. But, you know, we've got this platform to have a little chat about things and to say how we feel, so thanks for supporting us as well. Ladies and gentlemen, let's let's have the guests. So, Kieran Roy from October Drift, lead singer, no less. Uh, join us every week. We are back now every Monday. Sponsored by Scotsman as well. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, here is Kieran Roy from October Drift. Right, ladies, uh, right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Carl Maloney, host of the RGM Experience podcast, and I'm here with another guest this week, Kieran Roy from October Drift. Hey up, mate. All right, mate. Thanks for having me, Carl. It's all right. It's always a pleasure, mate. How are you doing, you on eight? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm really good. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, sound. It's it's a it's a nice relaxing Sunday. Um, I've got all my chores out of the way. Um, so I'm just enjoying my evening speaking to you. Where do we find you today? You're home. I'm at home right now. I've just got in from work. I work in yeah. pub, so um, just finished at six there, and then just yeah, nipped home. Yeah, chilling out tonight. 
and of course the calm before the storm you've got the tour coming up very soon as well so we'll we'll, we'll yeah, cover so, all of that yeah yeah tour starts on tuesday so we've got meeting the guys tomorrow for a sort of final um mm. make sure we've got all of our you know shit together everything we need and then off on tuesday yeah well, there's exciting, loads of exciting things as always coming up for October Drift. It's always nice to follow the journey of the band. We've kind of uh, known around you, for, known about you for a while, seen you live loads of times, caught up yeah, with you for the odd little bit of interview, five or ten minutes, and we've done a live stream over lockdown, but we've never properly sat down and had a, a proper chat, which we like to do on this podcast. So yeah, let, yeah. let's go back a bit, little, little mate, and let's... What were you like? At, what was a young Kieran like at school? What were you like growing up, um, starting to find your feet as a human? Talk us through young Kieran Roy. Young Kieran. Um, I think I was quite confident. Um, mm. I sort of was one of the kids that was maybe not the a cool kid, but got on with everyone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, was, I was mates with everyone, I think. Um, uh, maybe slightly felt slightly different from a lot of people who I was at school with and stuff like that because I got sort of hippie parents and mm. it was a bit of a slight oddball in a way but got on with everyone um yeah uh yeah we were kind of I met all the guys through skateboarding at school mm. so I was mad into skateboarding um and then got into music kind of later, slightly later on so yeah. it's big into skateboarding and and music um so what's it like being sports as well what's it like having hippie parents using your words yeah good fine yeah you know they're chilled out like yeah i love my folks in Um, in in what way did it did it feel different to other people growing up though just you know just to spread a little bit well they're like yoga teachers Mm. um there's like a big i'm quarter indian so there's a big like indian sort of Mm. cultural influence in my life as well like yeah. through food like would eat like weird food that no one else at school would uh mm. you know things like that is like my like this yoga and indian stuff going on all the time um uh so i guess that sort of rubbed off on me a little bit yeah was it was that difficult at school you know being a little bit different no not at all really like yeah. um because like i said i was quite sort of com- confident and sort of comfortable in my own skin as yeah. well so so when you yeah when you when did you like just start start to think like that music is something that is gonna be part of your life when when did that kind of start to bubble? Uh, probably when in my early teens at some point. Um, mm. well, I mean, I was there was like when I was from a very young age, I sort of had like toyed with the like made up imaginary bands and stuff like that with um other kids and stuff at school and wrote some songs from when I was really young which so I think it was always kind of there but then it actually when I met Dan at school and we started writing songs together and stuff like that the songs were shit but that's when Mm. we when I sort of thought that that could be something that we actually pursue so was it and then I think we were about 16 maybe when we went to college and then um we kind of took it a bit more seriously then and then by the time we left college, it was like, oh, yeah, that's all we want to do now. How did you physically meet Dan then? Tell us about the first time you clapped eyes on him. Was it like a, 
Was it like love at first sight? Because <laughs> I know how tight you are. I think we were sat next to each other in art, in okay. like an art lesson at school, and like probably about 14, 15 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then we just kind of clicked, yeah. And um, he played guitar as well. And then we, but his his mum and dad ran a, um, used to run a surf shop. They've retired now, but they used to run a surf shop in town. Um, so I was already like big in skateboarding. His folks, ran like a surf and skate shop so they and they sort of take us to the beach and stuff like that on the weekends and we surf and things like that so um there was like a crossover of interests of music and the sort of surfing and skateboarding and stuff like that we used to make um skateboard videos and dan was always the <laughs> he was the guy with the little digital camera okay so he'd film it all and we still got those videos of like um as all the sort of kids just like shit at skateboarding but yeah. yeah he was always the camera he still is the cameraman and he's he's filmed well and him and biz sort of between them have um recorded the album and do all the technical stuff they recorded the videos and stuff like that when neil hasn't helped out and stuff like that so, <laughs> so some things have lived on so were, were you gravi- did you gravitate towards the guitar or just music instruments in general then how, how did how were you like introduced to actually like play music and getting right just the guitar it? really yeah my dad mm. my dad plays the guitar a little bit so there was always a guitar in the house um so from when i was really little i did some guitar lessons when i was really little um but didn't really take to it that much i think it was a bit too much like um like school do you know what i mean like mm. boring like learning green sleeves on the guitar kind of thing i wasn't really that interested about it mm. um and it wasn't until sort of secondary school or like early teenagers sort of thing where i sort of got back into it but I already had a bit of a sort of knowledge from it and I could play yeah. some chords and stuff like that yeah I, I kind of fell into playing music my dad used to be in a brass band and uh, I started oh, cool. I started to play the cornet and the tenor horn a little bit later then wow. I got then I got to about 14 15 and I started to like think it's, it's not cool enough this instrument and I kept wanting to always learn the guitar and I was unemployed and you know I just had time on my hands and I were a kid uh, and I was I, 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 I left uh, the brass band is behind and moved onto the guitar and I'd never looked back. You know, once you kind of find an instrument, uh, it's a powerful thing that, isn't it? When you connect with an instrument and yeah. learn music. I tried to, I, I bought like an electric piano um, a couple of years ago, which mm. I was like determined to learn, but for whatever reason, I found it so difficult to, I've not done any lessons or anything. So I was doing YouTube videos and stuff like that. And mm. I think because the guitar has always been there from an early age where I've just sort of always played it a bit it feels like it's come naturally but like trying to learn a new instrument as well so difficult even with the background knowledge of the guitar and stuff Mm. like that just training your fingers in a different way i guess and getting your head around it but did you start on a really old like acoustic thing that just killed your fingers did you go through all that kind of stuff where you just where the end of your fingers are just like all dead hard skin did you did you go through all that kind of yeah, Madness. pretty much. Yeah, I remember. I, f- I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't like it when I was a little kid at first. Because <laughs> it, it hurts. Like, it hurt, yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't. <laughs> it's really hard to press yeah. down these strings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think of, like, you know, like how deep did you get into music? Because I, I didn't learn, like, the. Um, the ins and outs and the notes and things till quite, quite a little bit later. I just kind of. Uh, the internet weren't about when I were uh, when I were like fourteen, fifteen, but there were like tablature books that I used to buy. So I used to buy Oasis books and learn Oasis songs, and that's how I kind of like yeah. learned the guitar and not really knowing what chords are, just knowing what makes a noise and that kind of stuff. And, and you kind of 
you, you can still find your way and become quite accomplished just by just by doing that as well. I think I quite enjoyed yeah. not having the pressure of having to understand what everything means really. And when you see a sheet of music, it's just like Jesus, it's intimidating. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm still still feel like that. I like can't read sheet music. Mm. Um, I, I'm slow with tabs. I could work it out perhaps just really slowly. Um, chords is fine, you know, like you've got your words and yeah. your chords above it. I can that's that's good. I do, like I did guitar lessons and stuff when I was so, so I did learn a bit. I think I can't really even remember. Mm. Like the way we write and um, isn't nothing's written down like ever. Mm. So it's all just sort of you could film it like oh yeah, this is what I was playing, and you could you could know what you're playing without mm. knowing what the notes are. And, yeah. So it's either just filmed or just done by ear or like just recorded and then just, then we try and work out what it was later on. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it, has it always been music? Has, it, has there been any other passions in your life away from music? Uh, not, not to the same degree, really. Mm. No, like, uh, like I was into certain sports and skateboarding and stuff when I was mm. younger and got into surfing and, um, but I, nothing, nothing as much sort of since we left college that's kind of been our main all of our eggs in one basket really and just mm. been working and and doing that yeah so how did you all how did the you know you you as a group of lads all get together and decide that because when I when I look at you as a band I just think I, I just see so much passion for it I just I know how many years you've put into it and how still passionate you are now about it um, mm-hmm. And and that's very rare to find uh, a group of people that stick around that long together, as long as what you guys are. So I'm just interested to know how did you know it was the right blend of people from I don't know going back how long when how long ago was it ten years? Yeah, plus yeah. yeah. Um, so how how, I mean, how did, yeah, how did it all the like biggest, yeah. the biggest um, like accomplishment that we've made is just to like remain mates. Do you know what I mean? I know. <laughs> um, so like me and Dan started writing songs together when we were, like I said, sort of 14, 15 or something like that. Mm. Um, and then we had a different drummer at school. And then we said to Biz, Alex, um, Alex Biz, when we said he could join the band, he played a little bit of guitar. We said, if you got a bass, you could join the band. Mm. So we went and bought a mate, someone else at school selling a bass so, and, a, and a little amp. And I think it was, yeah, 25 quid or something for the, he yeah. bought this shitty bass and he joined and then never looked back really we were already mates with chris mm. um he was in a different band at school he played the drums and and sang in like a classic rock sort of acdc's covers and stuff like that what were the name um can you remember the name of it crimson love they were called oh there you go i love all band <laughs> names and things like that i think it's great um so chris is a really good singer as well you know he's right. um like lucky to have him in the band and that's for many reasons but that that reason as well like he's got a, probably a better voice than i do so it's like when he when i can't hit those notes it's like chris can hit that <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the first time um, I, the first time i really like saw you live was the darlington's days many 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 yeah. many, many moons ago back in sheffield when uh, when a mutual friend of ours uh, worked with you and had you on a lot in Sheffield and it was just great to see the start of that band so h- how do you reflect back on that part of your career um, you know having a, a different name a different slightly different style and you know 
you, you were a lot younger then. Um, how do you reflect yeah. looking back on that period of your lives? It, it's it's funny because it feels like it was a long time, but it feels like such a short time now. But mm. I think I mean, it was almost as long as we've been. Was it as? I can't even remember. We might have been in October Drift for as long as we were the Darlingtons. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so, yeah. Um, it was a while, but it was from such a a young age that we weren't really we were still just finding our feet for a lot of that um so and it was then we did i think it was maybe 2014 when we finished as the darlingtons and mm. then we took a bit of time out and wrote some new stuff and planned out and then sort of launched as october drift mm. um but i look back on it fondly on the whole was it but also that was a there was a lot of dead gigs and we toured a lot not as much as october drift obviously but we did a lot of random gigs across the country and played to a lot of empty rooms so at times it was quite uh like not soul destroying but it was quite mm. yeah it, it could be quite a, quite a downer at points as well every band has to if you're going to get anywhere you've got to get out of your own city and you've got to travel and you've got to take the risk of losing money and playing to nobody I suppose to even yeah. like to start somewhere and then you find you'll find a pocket of fans in one place, a pocket yeah. of fans in other ones and you gradually build on it. And the places where nobody turned up, you'll try again, maybe the year after or the, six months later on the next door to try and, yeah. um, you know, connect with those people and build up a fan base. So, so because of where we're from as well, mm. like geographically, um, we had to travel from like day one to do gigs and um, like there wasn't really, there's no real like local scene as such. Mm. So, from very early on we would just like we used to borrow my mum and dad's um Persian partner which was sort of, sort of it was it would max out it was like a little postman pat van and it was <laughs> nice. I don't know if it was something was broken with it but you could it was like max speed like 40 50 on the motorway <laughs> eventually it died but I think we just ran it into the ground but um we'd be in that kind of going up and down the country to play in front of no one for like a long time so like, um, so like when you get a little bit older when you know when you get older other things come into play like i don't know um like when i were in a band people started to having kids and that kind of stuff and and things changed uh how would the di- dynamics change from like the darlington's days to like now how how does it feel you know uh with a few I years on you it's similar obviously we're all a bit older we've all got sort of certain other commitments but in terms of like work and stuff like that we've all been we've all made the band our focus like still um which might sound mental to some people because it's like we've never taken a penny really from the band yeah everything goes back in um so it's still very much like we're still on an upward trajectory and we're still as excited as we Mm. ever were about it like this tour starting on Tuesday, we're buzzing for, and the tickets are sold better than ever. And we've got the the second album coming out, so um, we're really excited about it. And after so long of, like I said, playing in front of no rooms and stuff, like, no, no like empty rooms and stuff like that, we're like buzzing that we're sort of selling decent tickets across mm. the across the whole of the UK, and it's like it's really exciting. Well, why do you um, why do you just reflected on the Daltons one last time? Why do you think that particular reincarnation didn't work in the end? Uh, I think we were still just like, it could have maybe worked if we stuck with it, but we were still kind of finding our sound, finding Mm. our feet. Um, We did, we put out stuff that we wouldn't have necessarily been 
happy with putting out now. Mm. And at the time, we felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, we did but, an album at, actually as the Darlingtons as well. Um, we sort of signed to a tiny little label when we left college, mm. um, and we just sort of felt like we wanted to a clean slate in a, in a in a way, and sort of with a, we felt like we had changed a bit musically and mm. like everything about what we wanted to put out. We just sort of wanted to start again. Yeah, well, the what, what's like the best piece of advice that you feel you've received uh, and you've and you've taken on and it's really worked for you. Hard question that. Sorry, mate. <laughs> that is a hard question. I'm not sure what the best piece of advice I've been given is. Trying, trying to think of any advice I've been given. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, we, we can we can we can come we can come back to that one. It's it's yeah. it, it's like when you're doing a fucking job interview or something, and, and they throw a question at you, and it's just like, oh, oh shit. Let me just reflect on that a bit, and I'll come back. <laughs> I mean, I could think of advice to give, but advice to be I've been given. Um, I mean, no, I don't know. Yeah, just anything positive. I remember we played with a band first, the Darlingtons. This is a Spanish band we played with in London, and they were just like, never give up, never yeah. give up, and we were like. All right, yeah, cool. I mean, that's one tactic <laughs> yeah. we've kind of taken on as well. But it, it, a lot of people, like like I deal with a lot of bands and a, a lot of them are quite fickle and really offended quite easy just by if, if a review doesn't go their way or if they've, I don't know, if, if, if they're not selling out gigs early on in their career, they start getting, you know, uh, egos kicking and, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of things can happen to a band. Um, and the Dalatons came and went, and then absolute blackout, and then this logo appeared all over online, this iconic logo that you still use to the to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I remember when uh, you first started that you, you you made the decision to not have any social media as well, which was brave. Yeah, but I think so much like hangs on social media so much it's like mm. so many opinions come from just not listening to any music just like oh, how many likes have they got or whatever mm. um that at the time it had more impact to just not do it mm. like than to do it and it was more of a more of a more of a talking point and more of a statement just not to have it than to have it and just to be like another band on social media do you know what I mean it really worked because it, it it wasn't like social media wasn't what it is today at that point as well, no. was it? It wasn't like as like as ingrained into everybody's fucking minds as what it is now. No, not um, quite. I don't think like you didn't have. I don't think Instagram was even mm, big, particularly yeah. big at the time. Um, so it was just like Twitter and Facebook, maybe. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't stories and TikTok and constant yeah. updates of like everything all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that that, that can kind of play pay a uh, take a toll on a band as well. Just going back to what we're just working through in my own mind there. When when you're dealing with bands that are fickle and they find it hard work, and then uh, they like all the social parts of being in a band and doing a gig for the mates and all that kind of stuff, but. The, the the reality of a touring band, a band that are looking to make a career of it, is that it's it's 
such hard work and and you and you don't really see the hard work that goes on in the background and mm-hmm. a lot of bands fall by the wayside because really the heart's not really in it and i can tell with you guys that like, your hearts are in it and and you know you're never going to give up are you i just, I just love that mentality I of you guys that is spanish bands advice <laughs> yeah there we go yeah. Us, yeah um yeah i mean there's like no one gets into a band for to well, maybe some people do, but we definitely didn't get into the band to be like so, to do social media and constant. Mm. Up. It's not really in our personalities to be like constantly like shouting on, about you know, ourselves. Doing, yeah, it's just mm. it's not what we got in, into it for, and it's not really what we're about. But we've kind of like sucked up. We've got joined TikTok recently, but the thing is, with like being four of us as well, and everyone being into it as each other, we kind of we can carry each other where where one of us has a weakness and someone else can carry it and mm. stuff like that. So Dan's got kind of big into TikTok recently, just in terms of like, he loves making stuff. He's like, make, like just making these little videos and stuff. Yeah. He's got well into making, telling these little stories in 15 seconds or whatever it is. Yeah. And the little edits and stuff like that. So it's, it's cool. You know, I like, I've got a love-hate relationship with TikTok. I keep wasting a lot of time. I fall into black holes more than what I've ever done on any other social media platform. Mm -hmm. Just in the morning when you just wake up and you end up just like flicking through and then somebody's doing a live from the bedroom and or they're still, or it's somebody's doing a live from America and they're still pissed from the night before and they're just talking (laughs) as if they, as if they're putting the world to rights on it. It's just, it's just a mad, crazy little world, that one. um, I'm still figuring it out on how I can, do better at that because I know they are. We've got we've got an RGM account with it, and and, and it's mm-hmm. poor. The content's not very good on it. I just need I need to work out what what our space is with TikTok. I can't mm-hmm. yeah, can't we, put I, my we finger on it. Started putting stuff up, uh, mm. kind of a couple of weeks ago. So we're still working out what's working stuff. And like I said, Dan Dan more than any of us. But um, it's not. I've tried to avoid it. Like <laughs> we've got it, and I'll check it, see how we're doing. I'll yeah. see the the whatever it is the feed and i'm like oh like <laughs> get it off i don't want to get trapped because i'll probably get addicted to it you know oh man it's 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 rough it's rough and instagram seems like the nice place to be these days facebook um all the young younger people that in music think that facebook's on its way out they don't tend to use that one <laughs> it's all instagram these days and that seems like a nice <laughs> place it's not as uh, dramatic and as horrible as like twitter can be um, it's an interesting yeah, space. It's, it's such a weird yeah. one because kind of the whole like premise of it is like say something and then the way to get engagement, it seems, is like <clears throat> people arguing mm. and everyone jumps in. But the whole like the whole way that that is that the, the platform is just like built for like conflict and yeah. negativity it seems yeah like, that's my take on it anyway I, I completely agree and it's it's um it's it is what it is i suppose you know social media and it? it's just so it's part of you know I, i'm running this rgm monster and and you know trying to stay active on all these platforms every day creating content sharing bands doing interviews yeah, that's podcasts. Hard work, isn't it? It, it is hard work and people don't see that either you know um, and the cost of it, you know, you have to pay for subscriptions to be able to put things out every day, every month, every week, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a, it, it's it, 
it's hard work behind the scenes. It's not all glory, is it? It's not all playing Glastonbury on the John Peel stage, is it, mate? It's it, you know yeah, the people see that, yeah. people see that, and then but they don't see all the hard work that you're doing, building up your fan base and um, mm-hmm. doing all these tours. That how many tours do you like, do you tend to do a year? Well, it's been it's been obviously a weird one with the pandemic and yeah, stuff. Sure. But uh, we did well. We did one in October. Was it October, November? Um, and we've got this one coming up now. Uh, we'll probably be, we'll probably do a few more this year mm. and festivals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got the album coming out in September, yeah. and we're going to try and put out a few more singles between now and then. And we'll do a tour. Hopefully, do a tour for each single and for the album. Yeah. So, what's how do you, how do you prepare for a tour then? So, like, like, do, do you have a booking agent that book that books the dates for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our man Steve booked so, it for us. So, so, you, so you've got Steve sorting the dates out, which is, I presume, is a massive help because <laughs> booking tours can yeah, be a course. nightmare yeah, for yeah. a DIY band, in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we like us, like you know, starting out and stuff. We booked dates ourselves, and it's that's mm. that's hard work as well. Um, so how do you, how do you physically prepare for it? You know the hotels, the travel, the getting everybody off work. You know, like preparing. Yeah, I mean, for we it still to- we still like do a lot of it ourselves. So we like, kind of booked like as, again about the strengths and weaknesses and stuff mm. like that. Like um, Biz sort of tends to book the hotels because he's good at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Poor Biz, how did he end up with that crap job? I don't know. <laughs> I think he likes it. Does he like it? Sure. Okay, fair enough. I'll have to speak to him about that. Okay. He's quite organized. He's quite mathematically like minded. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. He's, he's what's your job that. then? What, what, what's your job in the band? What, what have you ended up uh, doing? Interviews and stuff, press. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably not even the best at it. So. <laughs> have you got any other like little like uh, uh, paperwork type jobs? Have you got, have you got anything else? Me, you've 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 only got to just turn up with your microphone and you sort it, aren't you? Really, and your guitar. Yeah, I play the guitar too. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. I, think, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wrote the set lists for the guys oh, on this okay. paper. Yeah. Okay. All important. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I feel <laughs> like in a in a way, in some in some respects, I carry the least weight on my shoulders, and in others, mm. the most in terms. Right, yeah. Yeah. But. Like I said, Dan and Chris kind of do a lot of the social media and Chris is quite sort of, man, we haven't got a manager, so Chris kind of takes a lot of that on. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you, you briefly mentioned the the, the, the pandemic there. Did, what did you, um, what's the question I'm looking at? Did you buy anything that you didn't really need in the pandemic? <laughs> It's a new question that I'm asking everybody at the minute. I'm a bit obsessed Did with this I question. And, really and, and if so, what? Probably. <laughs> One thing that I bought, which um, it's, it's funny that's come around, is my mate, um, a, a friend of mine's like, I bought him a, he, he bought me a birthday present the other day. And between our friendship group, we don't, we've never really bought each other birthday presents mm. and stuff like that. Um, then we'd celebrate, but we wouldn't really, I don't know, we, we never have. And within the band, we've never really bought each other presents and mm. stuff. So it's like, um, but I think it was just during the pandemic. Wasn't spending any money, still had my furlough. Mm. 
I thought I'd cheer him up, buy him a birthday present. Yeah. And then he bought me a birthday present. And now it's like, out of all my mates, it's just one friend who me and him are now kind of <laughs> in this unwritten contract to buy each other a record. Oh, okay. Everyone's, each, each birthday, I'm like, oh, it's cool. But they're like, yeah did it and they're like oh that's weird you never like my other mates like never bought me a present i was like yeah, yeah it's a it's a thing now it's a th- <laughs> I know, you're, you're too deep into it it's just one of those things yeah okay. <laughs> um so i guess that was because of the pandemic i was probably just sat at home bored like yeah. oh look it's his birthday i'll buy him a record well did, did you like how when did you start creating your own uh studio was that before the pandemic oh. before the pandemic yeah so mm. it was um i think it was 2018 and uh, I was, we used to hire. I thought that was like, about six months ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? Yeah. I think it was 2018. But our, we used to, like, three days a week, we used to, I think it was three days a week, yeah, we used to hire our old college tutor that had a studio mm. um, on an industrial estate out in the middle of nowhere, um, which we used to go and use. And it got broken into. Mm. um and they didn't nick much but they nicked there was like this there was hardly any it was easy to break into and he, he nicked so like one guitar and a guitar and like an amp head i think it was all that he could probably carry on for mm. but like you bust into a music studio full of yeah. everything and we also had our laptop on there which had like all of our recordings up uh, to that like all the nice. demos and stuff yeah. we're like I mean that's bad but like thank fuck they didn't like it could have been so much worse mm-hmm. but we were like you know what like some these people oh, I was like you know someone knows that this studio's here and could just come back mm-hmm. and no one really took any extra precautions to like make it harder to break into you never so know they, they can for... come back next day with a van can't they exactly Once yeah. they know what's in there yeah, it's, yeah you don't exactly. need that stress um, and because it wasn't our own, we weren't in a position to like, we didn't want to put our own money into like mm. securing it better. And we didn't like, I don't, so we just started looking for our own sort of thing to, mm. to do. So we found this little um, space on, a, on another industrial estate, which is closer to where we live. And um, it's nicer actually, but um, we kind of, I say we soundproofed it. We haven't, we still get complaints so we, we we don't go full whack until the evenings and stuff like that but yeah. it's good for it's, it's fine for recording and stuff um so we kind of built this studio yeah and which, it, which just, during the pandemic was an absolute like lifesaver really because even when we couldn't get like obviously at first we just stayed at home and i just wrote songs on my acoustic and then when we could meet up you could meet up in groups of five indoors or whatever it was yeah. i can't remember um then we could meet back up and even though we couldn't gig we could like record and write and sort of do all of that it's a massive and it was financial we recorded it's, the second album yeah well it's a massive financial commitment just to decide to do that as well and you know studios aren't cheap so did you all did you yeah. fund that all yourself out of like what you're not spending going out as well or did, you know like how, how how's the mechanics of you know creating your own studio well since like we've it's, since we we pay like rent on the space but yeah. we hire it out to sort of there's a bunch of local bands who come and use it mm. sort of all sorts of bands some of them yeah. are like covers bands and stuff like that just pub bands and stuff yeah um, um so the rent sort of pays for itself 
mm. now, which is great. Um, and it did take a little bit of money in the first place where me and Dan both had like a bit of inheritance money that we kind of chucked in. Because mm. um, it just sort of seemed like a wise way to put place to put some money in. Yeah. Like, and it has really worked out. And it's obviously somewhere we can use whenever. And we like we recorded the second album there out of circumstance because there was no studios open and we didn't have like the, the budget and stuff to do mm. to do it elsewhere. And it was in the middle of the sort of pandemic. So Justin from the label um sent some mics down in the post, some of his microphones and stuff. And okay. we, we did a bit of back and forth and he gave us some tips and stuff like that, but we pretty much just did it all ourselves, which was quite a learning curve because we'd only ever sort of just demoed ourselves before. So it's like, do an actual, so is it part, is the studio part of like October Drift, the business then? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Clever. Like it. Well done, mate. It's probably a better <laughs> business model than the band. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well the, the, the tours and things, you know, like, because if, if you're trying to book hotels and stuff at the minute, they're really expensive. And they're a lot more expensive mm. than what, like, you know, before the pandemic and stuff, because everybody's trying to get away now. They can, um, so like, it, it's Mental, even more, isn't it? even like yeah. petrol. We were talking about, we're like, oh yeah. man, petrol, fucking hell, yeah, fucking... ridiculous. Yeah. So, so, how do you like, like, where, where, on tours, bands generally, and I'm, I'm not speaking for you at all. I'm just speaking it when I've spoke to other bands before, and even established touring bands when they've gone on. Uh, I was speaking to Johnny from Twisted Wheel. They didn't make any money for. Yeah. They lost money sporting Liam Gallagher on a European tour in, in arenas. So when when you're Mental, when you're playing your headline uh, gigs uh, all over the country at the minute, petrol, uh, all these kind of costs. How do you like? How do you prepare for for that? How can you prepare for it? Because you, you, you won't have got the money from the tickets yet because the gigs won't have happened. You, you only get no. that retrospectively, don't you? And probably a few days after the gigs happened, it yeah. might take a while to, to even we, see we, For the first time, we used to get credit cards out and um, right. just stick it all on credit cards and then mm. sort of work it out when we got paid and when we got merch money and stuff like that. And, mm. um, this time around, we were for the first time we'd actually had enough money to book the hotels and stuff like that like we had that in the band account like i said we've never taken a penny ourselves um yeah. from music so it like anything we make has gone back into the pot and it's we, we now had enough to like at least do that kind of stuff at, outright yeah um that's progress though isn't it you know it, it's yeah it, it's progress it's you know it's uh it's paying for it's paying its own way which is the holy grail <laughs> of like a band going into the music industry and it just not having to at least, at least covering its own costs, I suppose. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And our fees have gone up for the tour as well. Mm. Um, like we're selling more tickets. Mm. Well, merch is still like a big one. Obviously, that's like the difference between you know losing money and making money or breaking mm. even. Um, but also, we've like we didn't want to, as we we're playing to more people and we're getting if we're if we're getting paid a bit more than we want to up the. Mm up the production and stuff like that. So we bought this backdrop, we bought some lights and stuff like that. Like um, we kind of want to step up as well as mm. things move, move upwards. We want to make sure we're, you know, getting better as a live band as well. That's Somebody told me that some venues take 25% of the merch sales. This, this is new information to me. I've, I've, how, I've, how have you found that? We've not found it. 
Where have we found it? I think we found it when we did one of the editor's dates in Italy. We got we got mm. that. Um, never found it in the UK. Um, I think the only time we faced it was in Italy. And we weren't allowed to sell our own merch, mm. even though we wanted to. Someone else had to sell it and then take... 25% or whatever. Oh, yeah, like somebody that, somebody that works for the venue, so they know that how much you've earned to, and they know how much to take. Jesus, mm-hmm. I ate that. I mm-hmm. I, I and we were like, you know, we were getting, like, we were absolutely buzzed to be there, but it was like the merch, like we, like I said, was sort of the difference between mm. losing money and breaking even, and yeah. like, come on, please don't screw the little guy here who's yeah. like driving ourselves. Like, you know. It's hard yeah. work as it is, isn't it? And and then little things like that. I just, I, I can't believe it. And it's only like recent, in the last few months that I've heard that it happens, but. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen people talking about it recently. Mm. Um, Tim Burgess was talking about it, I mm. think. Um, it's not something we've, I think we've only come across it once, but I have heard about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah look at it. Do you, could, do you kind of like, do your research when picking venues and that kind of stuff to find out whether the, no, that can affect a little you. Bit. Is that part of the planning as well, I suppose? A little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the venues we're doing are sort of quite well established or we've been there yeah. before. Mm. So we know, like, we know a lot of places where we've got a good sort of, already got a, a sort of good rapport with the venues and promoters and stuff like that. Mm. Some of the new ones, it's like, Steve might say, oh, what do you think of this place? And we'll do a bit of research and sort yeah. of say yay or nay. We're going to a couple of new places on this tour, which is always nice. Are you, are you picking the venues? Are you, are you, are you putting more thoughts with the venues? I, I suppose as part of progression and getting bigger and, and, you know, uh, charging, you know, for the value more and, you know, creating, mm-hmm. trying to create more income for the band. I suppose it, I suppose you have to be quality control has to be there. You mentioned, with the Darlington's, you might put a song out that you definitely won't put out now because you know it's just the quality mm-hmm. control is completely different. You're in a different space as a band. I suppose yeah. that's got to be part of every decision, really, aren't it? To keep moving forward with it financially. Yeah, and as we, as we learn more like about venues and promoters, and like we've been doing it a long time, so we mm. like we've done done gigs where we've had like you know all sorts like no sound engineers, no you know no mm. stage, no st- like <laughs> we know where we've got a pretty much good idea of what, where we can play to have a good crap, you know, to yeah. put on a good show. And also, also something of not playing places that are too, like too big as well as, yeah. you know, too small or whatever, like just like make, the, make the night as good as possible. And I think we've, I think we're pretty good at that now. Yeah. So how do you like look back over a previous tour and assess um, whether it's been a success or not? Is it just a financial thing or is it just a whole experience? Is it, do you check social numbers to see if they've all gone up? Merch sales? A bit of all of that, I think. Yeah. I think it's always nice to see like new, new, like, new faces, new, new people. Mm. You can see it online and stuff like that as well, but like, nice to have new people come on board. Um, just to sort of see steady growth. What's quite interesting, at the minute we get the like weekly ticket update as well. Mm. So um, that's always like a little Friday afternoon, like, oh, tickets, ticket yeah. updates in, and it's like, oh, this needs a bit of work here, or, like, yeah. this is, oh, that's a nice jump there, and then you can, like, we can compare it to the album tour, because we did the al- the first album in February 2020, no, January 2020 it came out, and then we did the tour in February, mm. and then we went into lockdown in March, but 
we've got the spreadsheet from that tour as well. So we're like, oh, at this point, you could get quite geeky about it if you want. Yeah. Like, um, but it's it was it's, we're, we're doing better now than we were back then. So it's like it's not, it's just nice to see the progression. I guess. Yeah, like that. So so you're going on tour then. So you're going all all over the place. And at RGM, of course, we want to share your experience of being on tour, and we are going to do. Um, Josh Hargreaves, who writes for RGM, is is helping you out uh, with the production on the tour. Yeah, he's going to be writing. Yeah, he's going to be writing. Yeah, on. he's going to be writing a tour diary that we're going to be putting out on RGM as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on even more behind the scenes and what you'll allow him yeah. to put on those uh, uh, on those diary posts. Yeah, as well. that'd be awesome. Yeah, we're really pleased to have him along as well because um, <clears throat> it's the first he's going to be doing lights and helping with the merch as well mm. um so i think it would be really helpful having him there and wicked that he's up for doing the the tour yeah. diary as well yeah are you gonna are you gonna put any rules on him is it gonna be a warts and all or is it is it gonna be like no you can't put that on but you can put that on it's, uh, what's it gonna be like with you? how strict are you gonna be with it i'm just fascinated I think we'd let him have free right maybe just check it over just before it goes out well i i, I have <laughs> I've, I've told i've told him before just let you guys read what or give him give you guys the gist of what's going to go out yeah, of course because yeah. no i'm sure know. it'd be great yeah yeah oh brilliant so yeah the tour's happening then so uh and then the album's coming out of course let me i'm going to put a link to pre-order the album uh on this podcast description as yeah, well that'd guys be awesome. so that'll be on it so the new album i don't belong anywhere Talk me yeah. through talk me through the title. Um it was actually a song that was written just after we kind of finished recording. Mm. Um Biz came with the guitar riff for it and then I kind of wrote the song quite quickly. And we never got it to a place where the label and the rest of the band were kind of happy with it. And we were kind of running a bit short of time as well. So yeah. The song has not made the album, but the title of the song oh, okay. has become the album title, mm. which is kind of interesting. And I hope that at some point we can sort of show that song as well, because I still love it. Mm. I might be on my own there. So I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, show, I'll play it to you sometime. Yeah, cool. Yeah, look at yeah. Um, but you don't belong anywhere. So where, where did the, like, the lyrics come from? I'm just intrigued by, you know, is it a moment of like reflection for yourself i mean there's a bit of lots of stuff in there but i think like i said about being a kid feeling a little bit of an outsider um and the same with our music being um not part of any scene and Mm. um like not having other bands and gigs and stuff from like where we live and um uh i had something else that i was gonna say then is it uh, is, is it the best piece of advice that you've received? <laughs> Not to belong anyway. <laughs> well, I suppose it could be good. Um, it could be good advice. I don't know. You know. Uh, like I still say, like I, th- I still think it's like a what's the term? double-edged sword or something yeah. for like not being a part of the scene and we've not had to we've not had to break out of a scene. We've had to travel, which has meant mm. that we've. We've never built in one area and not somewhere else. Like we've always been kind of open-minded and gone and played everywhere. And as a result, we've kind of built a bit of a following, not like mm. mega, but like kind of across the UK kind of consistently. Mm. Um, 
I guess the the pandemic and stuff like that also comes into the I don't belong anywhere kind of thing, like mm. the sort of feelings of sort of isolation and stuff like that. And yeah, that, that the record was sort of written and recorded, although it's not like a you know a pan, like a COVID album, but it's like it was written and recorded amongst the thick of it. So it's yeah. like some of that's rubbed up into there as well for sure. So what kind of, what's the last things that you need to do just before you hit the road? And have you got a few more jobs that you need to do? A few more things to pick up? a couple little jobs. Um, I need to pick up some, we printed like um, some laminated stuff and te- uh, posters and stuff like that mm. for the merch table and stuff like that. I need to pick them up in the morning. I need to get some guitar strings. Yes. Restring all my guitars and that. Yeah. And how often do you do, you do that every gig? No, I try and maybe like, every three two three gigs yeah restring you've got a spare guitar just in case one goes yeah i've got a spare guitar yeah, yeah. fully prepared there what else have you got batteries for your foot uh, for your pedals have you got that sorted no going off um is it are they power one uh, power one power blank yeah okay i'm just trying to think what else yeah so be. i think dan's maybe got to rebuild his pedal board a bit because he's using some different mm. pedals mine's all good have i had checked? to buy i had to put new tubes in my amp the other day my amp started crapping out and i had a and I spoke to the guy on the phone who was sending him and he goes, oh, you're really lucky, mate, because the tubes where they're made, are um, they're all Russian. And they've just ah. put the, they've just, they've just banned the exports mm. of all the tubes. So he goes, we came in on the Monday morning and all of his supplies had been sold for people buying them in bulk and then reselling them on eBay and stuff ah, like that. So he goes, we're prioritizing people like yourselves who are just wanting to yeah. fix your amp. I was yeah. like, oh, thank God. He was like, yeah, because I don't know how long this is going to last. Checked all your leads. Checked all your leads and they're not crackling. Leads are good. Yeah, we did We did a pre-production day um, at the Louisiana in Bristol. We went and okay. ran through the set through, mm. like on a stage through the sound system mm. with our sound engineer, Francis, um, just so you could hear some of the new ones and like know what was going on with the set. Uh, and it was all good yeah it's fine it's cool so as as this podcast comes out you're deep into the tour um i was going to ask you what to expect from the tour but you've already kind of told you, you know the the, the production side it's gone up new tunes all building up to the the album that's coming out september 23rd of september i don't belong anywhere yeah. uh again reminder to click on the description of this podcast because you can pre-order it there vinyl and everything yeah, yeah. I mean, that was another thing that the delays with the vinyl <laughs> yeah. presses and stuff like that. Everything's such a fucking hard work for a band these days. Isn't so it? many hurdles, like, <laughs> honestly. Um, but it's, we had the test pressings through mm. last week. Um, so we got the, so it was like, it was nice to hold the physical thing that we'd recorded in yeah. our cow shed studio in yeah. the middle of lockdown and then see this finally thing. have it. In, 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 in our hands and it sounds great especially on records you know so um that's all in production now and i think i think we've got a, or maybe not a confirmed date but i think we've got it scheduled to arrive well mm. before the release so um should be all good yeah well when you can uh, tell josh to put all this all these new things that come out Stick them in the diary so people can pop onto our gym and see how you're getting on on this tour um yeah very, i've thought of another job that you do you do the guest lists because I'm going to see you in Manchester. I'm coming to yeah, see you. Yeah, that'd be uh, great. So that's another job that you do as well. That is true. Is yeah, that your job. Yeah, yeah. So, I have all got the guest list list. On my, <laughs> the guest list list on my phone. Yeah. How, how, what's that like as a job? 
uh, the guest list side of it. Fine. Do you get people? Do you get people texting you outside, like, like ten minutes before the gig or something? And say, uh, I can't. Uh, you know, I don't know where to go and all that kind of stuff. Do you get? Do you get that kind of interaction? Occasionally, yeah. Occasionally, set times <laughs> is the big one, isn't it? Yeah. What time okay. you on? And do you announce what fine. time you're on? Do you, do you do that? Knowing what Neil's like. Yeah, it's just privately though. <laughs> yeah, don't let, don't let it public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because just just to finish off, there is a theory with uh, with it. Like uh, one of our mutual friends, Neil, that's you know part of, part of the October Drift team. He hates uh, telling people the set lists because he just wants people to turn up for the gig and see the support bands mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know enjoy the night as a whole uh, without having to worry about times and all that kind of stuff. Just embrace mm-hmm. the support bands more than good. anything. I think he's a like first of all before going into management and anything else he was a promoter mm. Mm. so like from a promoter's perspective more than anything i understand it as well like you've booked you've not booked one band you've booked like three or whatever and yeah. you're like you want the whole night to be as good for all the bands and for mm. everyone involved so like just put the, the the time of the doors and then yeah i, I understand it completely yeah but i also understand People being like, "Well, look, I'm tied up at work until yes. eight or whatever. Am I going to watch? Am I going to catch the band? Or I've got trains or whatever." Yeah, I, I I always enjoy that debate when it when it starts on Facebook. It, it's it's always I'm a, sure it's, you'll see it again. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's one for Twitter, isn't it? Definitely that. Just let people just shout at each other for for twenty minutes, and then and then and nothing it. then nothing ever changes anyway. So it's a pointless exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, wish you all the best for the tour, mate. I'm going to see you in Manchester. I really appreciate your time joining us for this podcast uh, today. Cheers, mate. Is there anything else that you want to share with the October Drift fans? You know, just uh, just to leave them on a leave them on a note. No, I think that's it. Just buzzing yeah. to see everyone on the tour and um, yeah. buzzing to have the supports with us as well. China Bears and um, and Pleasure Dome and oh yeah. yeah. How do you pick the support bands? That's a question I'm going to ask. Uh, it's mostly just bands we like. We've got mm. a lot of bands message us and ask for supports and we check them all out and we've got i've got oh that's another job that i've got (laughs) got a big list of all the bands who we (laughs) who have kind of asked me that's a massive job that's a big job yeah it's an important job yeah um we went back and forth with a few bands um who we wanted to have on this tour and the last one which for whatever like various reasons hasn't worked out Mm. um so we did have more support bands scheduled and it's ended up being our friends giant bears for the, for the majority of the tour, mm. which um, which you know we're equally as pleased with. Like Dan's recorded some of their music, and mm. um, they're friends of ours. They're a great band as well. So we we've done like odd dates with them and stuff, but it'd be nice to have a full tour with them as well. You know? Yeah. So October draft fans, check out the supports, support the lads, the last, buy the last some merch. Was, um, mostly with uh, Juno Death, who did mm. the last tour. Um, London band that was they were they were great as well such a good band and like good fun to have on tour with us as well yeah always so, yeah, su- always su- always check out the supports um, keep doing what you're doing mate really pleased that everything's progressing and uh, you know the growth is there and um, Thank you, just, I just I just like watching the journey of a band I'm fascinated by it and I appreciate your time today I'll say it again you know pre-order the album now it's on the link in the description of this podcast it'll mean the world to the lads and yeah I'll see you in Manchester mate thanks for your time today see you in Manchester Carl yes, Thank you, mate. nice one yeah thanks Kieran thanks for joining us down on the podcast mate how hard do those guys work, eh? 
The interview was recorded before they went on tour. They are deep into the tour now, so it was like the day before the tour that we re, uh, that we felt that we recorded the interview. Um, but we've been covering the the tour on RGM. Uh, so as of today, there's been two uh, diary entries, just telling the stories of backstage and you know what's been going on and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested to know how the tour's been going, I know you know during the chat it was all about. The tour coming up, but he's deep into it now. In the last week of the tour, I believe, right now. So if you are fancying a little bit of October Drift, jump onto the links in the description of this podcast, and you'll find all you need in there. There's a pre-link for the album. I'll have, I've already done mine. Pre-ordered. Vinyl. And yeah, keep in touch with us. All the latest news. We've booked four. We've already got three. As of... As of today, three guests already recorded. So we've got, you know, plenty of momentum to go into the n- this next few weeks. So keep in touch, subscribe to the channel, the podcast. Uh, tell your friends, share it on the WhatsApps. Follow us on rgm.pod. So that's completely wrong. Follow us on at rgmpod on Twitter. It's all on YouTube as well. You will be able to see the video version of this interview with Kieran as well online on that YouTube. So yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. I've been Carl Maloney, host of the podcast. Hope you uh, have a good week and enjoy yourselves and earn a few quid. And I'll see you next Monday with a new guest. You'll find out who that is first on Twitter, at Pod. And we'll see you later. Thank you. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.